today we're going to finish up our series in Acts. And that's exactly what we're up to. We're finishing this series in Acts, and we're going to camp out particularly today on a word. And it's a, a, a key word that's, a, for me, a, kind of an anchor point at the end of the book of Acts. Um, there are a couple of different words at the end of the book of Acts that are really significant to me personally, so significant that I decided to uh, permanently install them uh, so that I would never forget them. And so we're going to talk about um, one of those words. And, and it's a word that I think a lot of us are really familiar with, but maybe don't really understand from a biblical perspective exactly what God had in mind. I think we draw a picture of what this word means and maybe not accurately understanding a, like a, a biblical understanding of that word. So we're going to work our way towards it. It comes right at the end of the chapter um, and, and then spend some time unpacking it together. So here's what we've got going on. We've got Paul has finally made his way to Rome. Uh, after all of these events of the, the last couple of weeks that we've unpacked, he's finally made his way to Rome. He's a prisoner in Rome, but it's, it's more right to think of him as sort of like loose house arrest with an ankle bracelet as opposed to locked in a jail cell, right? Like, he's got quite a bit of freedom. Um, yes, he is under Roman guard, and, uh, and he is a prisoner, but it's not a jail cell situation. And so here he is in Rome, finally there, and one of the first things he wants to do is... Um, gather together the believers there. And so we're going to jump into the text, and then we'll just sort of kind of go a little bit of text and unpack, text and unpack, and we're going to work our way through this last chapter in the book of Acts. So Acts 28, verse 17, we're picking it up there. It says, Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And when they had assembled, Paul said to him, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people, and for this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I am bound in this chain." Verse 21, it says, They replied, Well, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. So, so here we see at the beginning, Paul calls together the leaders of the Jewish uh, religion in Rome. So he's got um, uh, Jewish leaders, which would be rabbis, teachers, lawyers, kind of key Jewish men of influence. He calls them together and he wants to address them and he's trying to help them understand right out of the gate. Number one, I haven't done anything wrong. I've actually already been declared innocent multiple times and had it not been for the Jews in Jerusalem, I would have been set free, but I got stuck between a rock and a hard place and I had to appeal to Caesar. Otherwise I would have been shipped back to Jerusalem where surely they would have tried to kill me. And so here I find myself here and he's like, and I just wanted to come before you my brothers, right, to, to let you know that, that I haven't been accused or I've been falsely accused. I haven't been convicted of anything. And he's also telling them, he's sort of coming to them out of respect saying, uh, also, I'm not coming to bring any charges. It's sort of like, I don't know what you've heard, 
but nothing they've said about me has stuck, and I'm not coming with any beef against you. And so he's sort of just trying to get on the right footing with the leaders, um, uh, the Jewish leaders in Rome. And so that's sort of how that first part all plays out. And so throughout this, they decide they're going to set up a time for him to sort of unpack his story, tell him a little bit more about it. They want to know a little bit more about it, particularly about the people that are called uh, uh, this sect called the Way, which was an early name for Christians. And it says, like, we haven't heard anything bad about Paul, but we've heard a lot uh, bad about uh, Christians. In fact, everybody everywhere seems to just be talking trash about this new sect, this new group. And so we want to see or we want to hear what you have to say about it. And so verse uh, 23, we'll jump back in, and this is what how this uh, plays out. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God from the law of Moses and the prophets, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to our ancestors when he said through the Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So, so Paul's talking to them. He's unpacking the scriptures. He's teaching them, explaining to them that who Jesus was and how the scriptures uh, point to and how the prophets point to the fact that Jesus is the one that the prophets spoke about. He's laying it out for him. And this wasn't like a, a, a one-hour sermon. This wasn't a two-hour sermon. He started in the morning. He went all day, all through the, the afternoon, late into the evening, and to the point where some of the Jews there, remember, these are the religious leaders, the, the influential, influential Jewish leaders that are there. Some actually believed. They were persuaded. They agreed with Paul as he unpacked the scriptures, and it was those that believed that led to stir up arguments with those that were there, really the majority, who didn't believe. And so there becomes this infighting, and they start to argue with one another, and they start to bicker amongst one another. And it's like, at this point, it's like Paul's reaching kind of the end of his rope, the final straw. It's like, man, I've been at this all day. You guys know better, and here again, you just turn on yourselves and infight and argue. And he lays out these words from the prophet Isaiah. He's like, no wonder God sent Isaiah to say these things to his people. They're the same things he would say to you if he was here now. You, have, you just are deaf with your ears. You're blind with your eyes. Your heart is so hardened and calloused over that you just you can't receive anything. No matter who comes to you, no matter who gives you the words, like you just don't listen. You can't hear it, right? And he's like, that's why the gospel, that's why the good news went to the Gentiles, because at least they'll listen. At least they'll hear it, right? And, and that's what Paul's unpacking to him. Well, at that point, they bail. They're out of there. And they can't take it anymore, right? Like, they're, they hightail it out of here. And, and we're almost, at this point, done with the book of Acts. But thankfully, that's sort of a... 
not great imagery. That's not a great like landing point for this whole book of Acts of all that we've gone through. And thankfully, Luke doesn't land the story there. It's like there's this this deal where all these Jewish leaders are there and Paul's teaching and they argue and infight and he lays it out on them with the words of Isaiah and they get frustrated and they leave. But thankfully, that's not where Paul's story ends and that's not where Luke's story ends when he records the book of Acts. There are a couple of more verses and they're verses that are full of hope and movement and excitement and anticipation and they're verses that include our word that we're going to camp out on and unpack. And the word is boldness. So join me in the end of book, uh, the book of Acts in 28 verses 30 and 31. Some of my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. It says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So, Thankfully, Paul's final years aren't spent uh, arguing with the Jewish leaders in Rome, right? He, he's under house arrest. He's paying his way at his own expense, right? And yet, even in those circumstances, it's not ideal, but even in those circumstances, what do we see Paul doing? We see him welcoming everybody who comes to him, anybody that's interested, anybody that will stop and listen and has a question or wants a lesson, he welcomes them. And as he welcomes them, what does he do? He proclaims, which is like preaches, right? He, he proclaims or preaches about the kingdom of God and he teaches everybody about, about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Like the the gospel went forth unhindered. God did his part to make sure that nothing got in the way of Paul's opportunities to profess the gospel, to teach and proclaim the good news about Jesus. And so that's, that's this picture that we have of Paul. And, and we get this word in here that Paul um, taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. And I think when we see that or read that passage, we get this grandiose picture of Paul as this most amazing character in Scripture, and he absolutely is. And we get this idea about being uh, bold like Paul, and, and it's fun to think about Paul as this bold character who, who taught and proclaimed and, and was fearless and, and just had this crazy courage like nobody's business. And, and I think the downside with that is a lot of us get an idea of what we think it means to be uh, a bold Christian. And I don't think really we have the right idea of what this word means. And it matters what it means because it impacts or affects our ability to um, see ourselves as bold or not, right? And so the, the word that is translated here, and it's used many times throughout the New Testament, is a word, it's kind of fun to say, I'll see if I can say it correctly. It's a uh, Perasia. You got to be able to roll your R's like a little uh, Spanish there. Uh, Perasia. Um, I'm going to wimp out because I have to say it a few times, and so I'm going to say Perasia. Um, but try saying it Perasia with uh, rolling your R's. In my family, we laugh a ton because my youngest son, Noah, 
cannot roll his R's. And so whenever we have an opportunity to say a word where you get to roll your R's, I always like to say it and then get him to say it and it never fails. We end up just dying laughing uh, at his attempts to roll his R's. I don't know if that happens in your family, but that's a fun, that's a fun side note. So parasia is the word translated boldness. And I want to tell you what that word um, actually means. There's so much more to it than probably the idea we have in mind when we think of boldness. So it means freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech, free and fearless confidence. It means cheerful courage. And you got to understand, like, this is something that Jesus embodied. He, he really lived in a way that epitomized this idea of parousia, right? In fact, it was often his parousia or his freedom of speech, his confidence, his courage in the way he spoke that actually made the Jewish leaders so frustrated and angry with him. I, I want to take you back to John uh, 18, verses 19 through 21. And I want to take a look at this with you. Look at what it says. It says, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And here's what Jesus said. He said, verse 20, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Are those who heard me, or ask those who heard me, surely they know what I said. So he, he, Jesus is saying to him, he says, I have spoken parousia, right? Like I have spoken freely with confidence, clearly. I didn't hold back. I didn't do it in secret. And it is it any wonder that as Jesus led and taught his disciples and he modeled walking out this parousia, like is it any wonder that they began to pick up on that, that they began to take on his character and likeness that, that they began to pick up this parousia, this courage and boldness and freedom and comfort and courage in how they spoke and talked about God. If you remember back in Acts 4.13, Peter and John were a great example of a couple of guys who really walked out, what does it look like to have parousia, right? Uh, Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage or the parousia of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So what did that courage or that parousia look like? It looked like a couple of guys who were just regular, everyday, average guys who spoke freely about God. They didn't hold back. They, they had this comfortable confidence That's what parousia looked like, just regular guys that spoke with this freedom, this uh, cheerful courage and confidence. And the, the thing was interesting is the people that were around there realized like there's something about these guys. It's not adding up because we know who they are. We know their education. We know their background. And yet the way that they're speaking doesn't line up with the who that they are. Like there's something that's not reconciling here. We don't get it. And the only thing they could attribute it to was that these guys, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. Like that's the only thing that was different about them 
that could make any sense about why would they have this kind of parousia, this confidence, this courage, this freedom and comfort in their speech was that they had been with Jesus. And that's really the key. That The idea that being with Jesus is the thing that leads to this kind of boldness and courage and confidence or parousia. And here's the thing. A lot of people want boldness. They want, uh, they want the courage, right? They want big heart. They want the confidence, but they overlook the process that it takes to acquire those things. They overlook the being with Jesus part. Because you see, this parousia, this confidence, this courage, this boldness, it, it's a byproduct of being with Jesus. It comes after being with Jesus. And another thing that happens is other people just write, them, write themselves off. They say, hey, I, I see who Paul is in the Bible or Peter and John or whoever your person is that you're looking up to. And they say, I could never be like them. Like I could never have that kind of confidence or preach with that boldness or talk about God with that kind of courage and comfort. Like, like I just would never do that. That's not me, right? And I think a lot more people land in that camp. The the sad truth is, is that you're, it's not just like you're selling yourself short. You're actually selling God short. Like you're selling Jesus short as if you really don't believe that Jesus could do with you what he did with the disciples. You see, Jesus didn't call his disciples to come and watch him, right? He didn't say, hey, come follow me, watch me be bold, Come gather around large crowds and watch like spectators as I'm bold and confident and speak freely. He actually called disciples to come and follow him. And then his, his call to them involved something more. It said, come and follow me and, and I will make you into fishers of men. Like I will actually make you something. And so you got to understand when you answer the, the call to follow Jesus, one of the things we're also doing is we're accepting the fact that Jesus can make good on his promise to change us into something that we weren't when we started following him. And just because you've never imagined yourself in a different way or uh, to be that changed person, like uh, the way that maybe Jesus says he can change you into, it doesn't mean that he's not able. Like, think about it. The disciples didn't say to Jesus, like, hey, we know how to catch fish, right? Like, we're good at that. But this whole evangelism thing, you know, going out, preaching, telling people about Jesus, sharing our faith, like, I'm just not made that way, right? That's just not, I'm not that kind of person. I'm an introvert, right? I'm not extroverted like you. You, you can go talk to anybody, but I'm not that way. I, I'm really good at fishing for for fish, but this whole fishing for men thing, not my thing, right? Find me a job in the background, right? That's not the way the disciples responded. That's not, that's not the way they interacted with Jesus when he called them. And, and they went in faith that Jesus was who he said he was, and he could do what he said he could do. And the thing is, the call is the same for each of us today. The call is the same for each of you today, that Jesus is calling you to follow him and to immerse yourself into a relationship with him, to actually learn how to, 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 to follow him and to get to know him on a daily basis. 
And his promise to you is that if you will do that, he can and will help you change. It's him at work in you that changes you as you spend time with him, as you get to know him, as as you immerse yourself in being a friend to Jesus and a disciple and a follower of his. He'll help you. He'll encourage you. His spirit comes alongside and, and empowers and equips and directs and teaches and corrects and rebukes and helps us get back on track. In fact, I think it's really safe to say that if you would commit to just go all in, learning how to follow Jesus one day at a time, just really getting to know him, learning how to actually follow him. What does it look like to walk after him day by day? I believe that if you would commit to that for a year and a year, you probably wouldn't recognize the person you are for the better. Think about it. How awesome would it be to live a life where you actually feel comfortable speaking about Jesus, talking about the Word of God, talking about your prayer life and what God's doing in your life, and that there's this quiet confidence, that you have a a cheerful courage about you. Uh, Imagine being described the way Luke describes Paul. As a guy who preached and taught about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. And what you've got to know is it's so possible. It's so doable. And it all starts with you answering the call to follow Jesus. And the first part of answering that call is to drop your nets. Like to to actually drop things that you've got your heart and soul and and mindset on and, and your effort put to so that you can reorient your life to be about getting to know and follow Jesus. And and so as we wrap up our time in Acts, I want us to be thinking about things that we need to let go of. What are things that you need to walk away from so that you can actually go all in to follow Jesus? For some of you, it's your financial dreams and goals, right? These are the things that you've had your eyes on for months or years maybe that your heart has been focused on, your budget has been focused on, your labors and work have been focused on, and it's time to set those aside. It's time to set those aside so that that your eyes and heart can be focused on getting to know and follow Jesus. For other people, it's your ego and pride. And when I say ego and pride, a lot of people automatically think, oh, this is a guy thing, right? Like, it's not exclusive to guys. Gals deal with issues of ego and pride just as well. And so for some of us, it's, it's letting go of your ego and pride. For, for people at, in this camp, it's like the, it's letting go of living in a way that's so directed and you're so consumed by what people think of you, Right? It's like you have to have the right career, the title that you have on your business card, the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the your social image out on media, your brand, your personal brand, your Insta profile, your you know you name it, right? Like your life is so wrapped around worrying about what other people think of you that you can't actually even imagine what it would be like 
to live a way where none of that mattered. Maybe that's the thing you need to lay down. Part of the problem with that is then all the what ifs creep in, you know, like, well, what if people think I'm weird, right? What if people uh, find out that, you know, I go to church and I sing songs and what if people find out, what if people ask me questions I don't know the answer to? Like, what if people find out that I don't have it all together the way I wanted people to think I had it all together? What if, right? My question to you is, what if you just laid it down and risked it? What if you, like the disciples, set down your nets and just trusted that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do? For some people, it's just as simple as this idea that life has to be fun, right? Like, I want a pain-free life. I don't want to feel any bad things. I don't want to think any bad things. I just want fun, 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 right? I want to, I want to live from one great activity to the next. And and the idea of following Jesus sounds like a major killjoy. Like, that does not sound like fun to me at all. Like, I don't know about this following Jesus thing. I mean, following Jesus means I'll probably have to sacrifice. It means I'll probably have to feel pain. I'll have to look at things about myself I don't like. I'll have to maybe not do things that really make me feel good, but I also feel this weird guilt thing afterwards, right? Like, and, and so for some of you, maybe it's just time to grow up. Maybe it's just time to grow up and, and set aside this kind of like bubblegum chasing fun lifestyle and embrace life as a grown-up. Embrace the fact that there are hard things in life, that there is pain in life, that there is suffering in life, and that there are amazing, beautiful feelings of joy and peace and contentment and love that you don't understand without going through suffering. Maybe it's time you set down your pursuit of the always fun life to figure out how to follow Jesus on the daily. Here's the thing that's cool is that no matter what it is that you need to lay down, no matter what it is that you need to set down, that whatever it is that you need to walk away from in order to answer the call to follow Jesus, you're going to go through a stretch where you question if it was the right thing, where you are starting to feel like your life is unraveling and and the you second guess your commitment to let that thing go and follow Jesus. There's going to be those moments where it feels like everything you were working for is coming apart, like your your financial goals, the the fun that you had planned, the security that you had planned, the relationship that you were pursuing. Like it all feels like it's falling apart, and you need to rest assured and know that that day is coming because Jesus says, when you lay down your nets, when you lay down your stuff and you choose to follow him, he says, you're going to go through something. He goes, he said, it's going to be like a feeling of losing your life. Losing your life, your plans, your stuff, your ambitions, your goals, your dreams. And and it's going to feel a little scary and crazy. And he says, but hang in there because it's when you lose your life that you actually find it. And it's at that time where you need to endure and stay the course and stay tight with Jesus and people who will help you walk that path because it's in that time that you're going to find new life, you're going to find new hope, you're going to find new purpose, 
You're going to find kingdom, direction, and guidance. You're going to find belonging like you've never found before. Most people don't hang in there long enough. They get a taste of this, oh, I'm losing my life, and it feels like everything's falling apart, and they run right back to it and pick it all back up and try to keep doing all of this stuff on their own. So that's the call. The call is to follow Jesus and, and to let go of your stuff and to trust Him to lead you, right, and guide you and make you the very best version of you, the, the, the version of you that God always knew you could be. And so this morning, before we wrap up, I want to give us a chance to respond. I want to give each one of you a chance to let us know if you're ready to follow Jesus. If you're ready to embrace the life that will lead to you being described the way Luke describes Paul as a person that can talk freely and openly about God, to have a courage a cheerful courage and a boldness and a confident faith. Like if you want to be described that way, it starts with laying down your stuff and committing to follow Jesus. And it's through that time and discipline and relationship building with Jesus that those character traits are developed, that those changes begin to take place. And if you're ready for that, we're ready for you. If you want help with that, we'll help you with it. And here's the part where we need to know if you're ready for that, because so many people make these commitments, like they'll you know, hear a message like this or some other message on TV or at some camp they've been to or some event or just in the scripture, a study. And they're like, yes, I want that. I'm sick of trying to figure life out on my own. I want to change. I want to follow Jesus. And they have the right intentions with the right heart and they take the right step in the right direction. And then they wake up the next morning and they're like, I have no idea what following Jesus or getting to know him actually is. Zero clue. Do I start in Genesis 1 and just read my Bible? Is that what this is all about? Like I and okay, so I've read three three chapters in Genesis over two days. It makes no sense and I quit and I'm back to the same old, same old. As a church, we are here to help you navigate getting to know Jesus and helping you learn how to follow him. And we can't help you if we don't know if you're ready. So you gotta reach out and let us know. So mention it in the comments. Just say, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I want help. Uh, email me. It's gonna be on screen again on how to email me. You can send us a direct message on Facebook. There are so many ways to reach out and get a hold of us, but please don't wait. Don't delay. Let us know. Let us help you get partnered up with a mentor, someone who can uh, walk this out with you, who has been where you've been and knows how to help you navigate, knows how to help you learn how to really get to know and follow Jesus in a, in a real practical way. Like, what does it actually look like tomorrow and the next day and the next day, right? And that might mean you have to push pause and stop right now and send a message. So I want to pray for um, whatever God is doing in your heart and the hearts of anybody that's watching this right now. And then we're going to break and grab, uh, re grab our supplies for communion, and then we'll finish with communion together. But uh, let me just pray for everybody that God is stirring right now. God, just uh, I pray that you would just stir the hearts of the people that are listening to this, whether it's on Sunday morning or two weeks later, I don't know. 
but God, that you would just draw them to yourself, that you'd shake them loose from their old ways, that the tight grip they have on their old life um, would loosen, and today would be the day where they just are ready to let go of their stuff and go all in to follow you. God, give them the courage to reach out and let us know and to ask for help. Give them a strength in their heart and their faith that is uh, beyond them. Like your spirit, just carry them along in these early moments and days. And God, help us as a church have the right people ready. They're the perfect fit for each person that's ready to follow you. God, help us become a church that is full of people who are living out their faith with this parousia, this, this freedom, this confidence, this courage, this boldness that stems from knowing and following your son. And so I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's grab our elements for communion, and then we will take communion together as a family. as a church, we finish our time together with communion. And this morning as we we're wrapping up the book of Acts, it just felt appropriate to finish with these words from the writer of Hebrews that proclaim the boldness with which we get to come before the Lord. And so I want to read these and then uh, we'll take the elements together. So join me as we read Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is the, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. These words remind us that that we have confidence, that's that word parousia, that we can have this freedom, this, uh, this cheerful courage to enter the most holy place, the, the very presence of God because of what Christ accomplished by the shedding of his blood and the sacrifice of his body. It gives us a, a cheerful courage and confidence and boldness to come before the Lord now and any other time we need to come before him. And so those are the things we remember as we take the elements this morning. And so let's go ahead and take the bread. And we remember the blood of Jesus as we take the cup. Join me as we pray. God, we love you and we just thank you so much for your son. God, thanks that because of his sacrifice, we get to have these words be true about us, that we get to have a, a, a freedom and a confidence as we come before you. Cheerful courage. Kids coming to their dad. Excited and not afraid. 
thanks that we have that because of what Jesus did on the cross. We just pray in his name. Amen. Well, one of the things I've talked a lot about, but just as a way of reminder in case anybody is new, is that every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, I do a thing called Jesus Time. It's just a short devotional time where I spend uh, 15 minutes or less. We spend a few minutes reading some scripture. We talk a little bit about what that scripture means and how it might apply in our everyday life right now. And then I pray for us. And so for those of you that are looking for a way to um, just kind of bolster your faith and strengthen your walk with God and help you practically learn how to read your Bible. Maybe you've you've never really actually like developed the discipline of reading your Bible. You tried a few times, it didn't make sense, you're not sure really how to do it or how it applies. I would encourage you to, to give Jesus time a try for 30 days. Just commit to 30 days, don't miss for 30 days, and just see if it doesn't help you um, learn how to dig into God's Word and just mine out some truths and uh, and it'll help you understand just how applicable the Word of God is any given day depending on whatever scripture we happen to be in so you can find that on uh, Facebook on our uh, real life Facebook page you can also go to our uh, YouTube channel and find the archives of all of the back ones we're going through the book of Luke and uh, we've got a ways to go so I would love to have you join us if you do be sure and comment in the comments and let us know where you're at and we would uh, love to meet you. We've got a lot of regulars, and you will definitely be welcomed and greeted and uh, encouraged if you join us. So we'll see you soon.